And welcome to episode 127 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller. I'm here with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you doing? Very well. Thank you. I understand you were on skis this weekend. Mm-hmm. I was skiing. Great story. <laughs> yeah. I just got back from a friend's house where I was watching WWE Royal Rumble. Uh-huh. That was fun. I, you don't strike me as a... I'm not, but no, but I have a couple of friends who are, are very, uh, they analyze it in a very intellectual way and I enjoy being around them while they are watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Yeah. So it's uh, an exciting time for us because we, uh, we get a little bit, a little bit of a reprieve now that we're starting our uh, team previews. So um, later in the show, we're going to have uh, our intern, please say his name for me. Pete Barrett. Pete Barrett will uh, be interviewing, please say the other guy's name for me. <laughs> Pete will be talking or has already talked to Wallace Matthews from ESPN New York. So uh, if you missed our couple of shows at the end of last week where we said what we were going to do, what we are going to do is talk about one team per day uh, until we are done with teams to talk about. So we're going so today we're, to, yeah, we're, yeah. We're gonna interview uh, a BP author each day who wrote about that given team in the annual and uh then we will combine that interview with with pete's interview of uh a a beat writer or a reporter of some sort from that team so it sounds great it sounds like a really winning plan Mm -hmm. uh so today we're going to talk to the uh bp author who wrote the yankees bp chapter so who's the special guest me oh (laughs) yeah uh, it, it, How disappointing. Yes, I know. Uh, it would be nice if we could bring someone else in, but I did write that chapter. It was the only chapter I wrote, so you won't have to hear me again. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- yeah, that was my chapter, so I'm here. All right. I'm here. So I'm, I'm going to fire away. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, the Yankees. Um, I guess the. Um, it seems to me that there is a kind of a general pessimism about the Yankees uh, going into the season. Um, partly because it's optimism about the Blue Jays, but also, I, I mean, I just get the feeling that this is a team that um, nobody's really all that satisfied with. And I just wonder if you think that uh, it would be different if they had uh, beaten the Tigers in the ALCS, um, or even if they had just lost in a more, yeah. in, in kind of a less brutal and dispiriting way. Um, I mean, how much of the general impression of the Yankees right now do you think is really just a reaction to, to four games and, and you know, Robinson Cano's slumping? Yeah, I, I do think that's a big part of it. Uh, not just that they lost, not just that they were swept, but that they just looked so inept while doing it. Um, and yet that came after a season when they were extremely successful. And they won their division, and and they won what 95 games, uh, with the the run differential to back it up exactly. So this was a really strong team, one of the best teams in baseball, uh, and then suddenly stopped hitting in the playoffs and managed to scrape by in the division series, and then uh, just completely stopped hitting after that. But it was four games, and I just don't know how much you can read into that. So I I think there are legitimate reasons to be concerned about the Yankees. But yes, I think 
much of the negativity comes from the way they lost. And and maybe there's some sense that that the way they lost was a, a foreshadowing of their season or that it it somehow spoke to a a deeper weakness on the team that 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 didn't show up for the previous 162 games and then and then suddenly was revealed uh, either because everyone was old and tired or because they weren't good enough to hit good pitching or, or something like that. But uh, I don't really buy it. It was it was shockingly bad. It was a it was kind of a shockingly bad offensive performance, but these things occasionally happen. So I I don't see it having much of a carryover. I, it seems though that there's some comparison to the Red Sox coming out of the 2011 season. I felt like we could we I certainly would have said a lot of the same things about the Red Sox. I would have said that for most of the season they were one of the best, if not the best, team in the AL, and uh, that their September was crushing and unthinkable and unforeseen. Mm-hmm. But certainly there will be no carryover. That's still a talented team with uh, you know a, a good core and. You know, I'm kind of willing to accept the idea that it did carry over and that that was part of what made uh, their early season struggles this year uh, get out of hand so quickly. Um, that could not be. convinced of that, but I'm willing to I don't, sort of... Yeah, I don't know if you can equate missing the playoffs altogether and just having a, a completely disastrous September and having one of the, the worst collapses of all time. I don't know that you can equate that with four games of not hitting. Um, Maybe some Yankee fans would, but it doesn't seem to me like it would have the same sort of effect on anyone's psyche that that collapse did. Um, I understand why they let Soriano go, even though, you know, I think that anybody would have some concern about Mariano Rivera's ability to come back. Yes. Um, But it seems to me that the easiest thing in the world to get uh, is a kind of Mike Adams, Ryan Madsen type who uh, you know who you can get for one or two years. Uh, if you're the Yankees, maybe you overpay a bit to get him just for one year because you want to keep your 2014 costs low. And then you have somebody who, at least if Rivera, you know, gets hurt or falls apart or something happens, at least it's not a giant soap opera. Um, you know, trying to debate between you know, Boone Logan and David Ardsma or, or David Robertson or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think they didn't get that one kind of at least semi-famous, reliable eighth inning guy? <sighs> I don't know. I, I think the bullpen is in decent shape as it is. I guess, I mean, no one likes David Robertson more than I do, probably. So I would be happy to, to see him thrust into that role at, at some point, not necessarily because Rivera couldn't pitch or was unsuccessful, but just because I think he's earned it. Um, and he sort of very, very briefly had a, a shot at closing last year, and then he had one or two bad outings, and he got hurt, and Soriano just kind of uh, made that that position his own by the time Robertson was back. But I don't see any reason why he couldn't handle that. Uh, and then there is Ardsma, who has had closing experience and should be healthy. There's... Jabba Chamberlain, who looked pretty good last year uh, and and has avoided any catastrophic injuries this offseason. Um, and then there's the, the same effective lefty combination of Boone Logan and Clay Rapata that they had last year. And, and there are some other younger guys who could help, uh, like David Phelps, who was up last year. 
Mark uh, Montgomery is is one of my favorite Yankees prospects, not necessarily one of the best, but uh, someone I think we will probably see at some point this season. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, they kind of skimped everywhere, really. So I guess it's not that surprising that they skimped there. Uh, they, they seem to have a, a decent bullpen. I mean, it's, it's not overpowering, and sure, they could have used someone else. Um, but uh, I mean, in an off season where they let their catcher go and don't really have one and let Swisher go and everything, I, I guess, I mean, signing a reliever is something they could have done for one year, uh, mm-hmm. and not, and not incur the, the multi-year issue that they were unwilling to commit to anyone. But I don't know. I don't think it's a, a weakness necessarily. Would you, um, if you, if you had to to guess, obviously you, you don't know, and, and and I don't know. But if you had to guess, Brian Wilson, uh, Frankie Rodriguez, Jose Valverde are all out there. Probably uh, at least two of those guys are going to end up signing, you know, something like a three million dollar deal or something. Um, do you would you expect them to get one of those guys for the for the name value alone, or for the you know actual pitching value alone, or do you think that uh, they're? I mean, you know, you're right. David Robertson is kind of awesome. Do you think that's enough? Uh, I think it's enough, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised. I could kind of imagine Rodriguez being a Yankee, sort mm-hmm. of someone who used to be really good and famous and is now kind of past his prime, but maybe could still contribute. Um, that would kind of fit the Yankee mold in a way. Uh, so yeah, I could see that. I haven't really heard it rumored, um, in the past you would have said that maybe ownership would have intervened and and signed someone just as they did with Soriano because it it sort of seems like Brian Cashman doesn't love the idea of paying for relievers but this winter it has been ownership it seems who doesn't want to pay for anything really so um I don't know it could happen on a one-year deal I guess okay and last question um given his abilities right now his performance recently uh his performance with the yankees last year do you think ichiro would still be a yankee would he have re-signed if he weren't you know ichiro and do you think that people would be uh panicking if they had a player of his abilities who wasn't named ichiro yeah uh well yes i guess so uh, at the same time the fact that he is ichiro is meaningful i guess unless you're saying that this unnamed player has the same stats, the same, you know, track record as Ichiro, but is not Ichiro. Okay, well, presumably if he had the same stats as Ichiro, he would have a name also, um, sort of like Ichiro. And I guess, I don't know, there's always a a tendency with with a guy who you've seen be really, really good to hold out some hope that he could be really, really good again. And especially when he was really, really good, even if it was just for a couple months, uh, for the Yankees and and I think it's it's a good ballpark for him and that will kind of prop him up a bit uh, I wouldn't expect him to be as good over the full season as he was in his partial season in New York last year but I would expect him to be better than he was say in his Seattle partial season it's kind of weird that they chose to give him the two-year deal and seemingly no one else um, I don't know how to explain that since he is he is quite old and has some worrisome performance in his recent past. Uh, But I guess for whatever reason, they felt very confident in him and I'm sure it it has something to do with the ballpark being very well suited to him. All right. Um, Well, so we did that. 
that's the thing we did. Yeah. Okay. I could. It went well. I thought it went well. Yeah. Should we it do? Was just, it was basically we... like we would always do. Yes. I mean, we, All right. We've talked about the Yankees at, at various points this winter. I think winter. we've talked about, yeah, I think we've talked about uh, each row, and I think we've talked about the Yankees' closers, and I think we've talked we've about, about... They're not spending? Yes, we have. Uh, uh, we do this a lot, this show, <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we have probably talked about all of it. Um, should we, do you think we should just, uh, just this one time, should we prepare people for the existence of a theme song that's coming up? Yes, I definitely think we should. Well, I, when we interview people, are we not going to put people on the spot and ask them to make a prediction? Oh, yeah, no, sure. Uh, I mean, was I us, supposed to? No, we didn't discuss predictions, and neither of us enjoys making predictions. or. I enjoy other people's. Yes, I enjoy other people's. Uh, but if we're going to put other people on the spot, I guess we should do the same to ourselves when we are the guest. What do we want them to predict? Um, I don't know, just the basic stuff, record, finish, the things that people are interested in. Team team fielding percentage, <laughs> right? Defensive efficiency. So we'll just do. We'll just start with wins. We'll just have you predict, predict wins, and then Yankees, if we decide we want to do more, the Yankees' team age will be uh, extremely old. I will yeah, that they will be an old team. Uh, I I think I see the Yankees as a wild card team. I think I I think there's enough there that they are still going to be competitive, and I guess there's some chance that just kind of everything could go wrong because everyone's old and more prone to injuries uh, and everyone gets hurt at the same time or just passes the point at which they're no longer productive and it all just snowballs into a, a disastrous season. It could happen, I guess. And I wrote a thing last year about how I thought the Phillies wouldn't do so well because they were so extremely old. Uh, the Yankees are probably older at this point than the Phillies were when I wrote that. So to be consistent, I guess I should say that it would be pretty rare for a, a team as old as the Yankees to be successful, and especially when they are not spending like the Yankees, which has enabled them to be old every year and still compete because they can kind of paper over the cracks with, with free agents. Anyway, uh, I would say wild card, and I would say that they get to 91 wins. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. So Pete uh, is coming up now. Uh, Pete is a student at Gettysburg College. He is a, a new intern at BP, and he's doing a good job with, with lining up interviews and, and asking people questions. He is also prepared. Much better than we are at this. Yes, definitely. Uh, Which is, yeah. So you're going to be shocked by the confidence. We should prepare you for the confidence. Yes. What you're about to hear is probably the most professionally produced uh, moment in effectively wild history. Pete. Has, yeah. Pete has produced an intro for yes. this segment, which we will air uh, each time that we hand off to him for an interview, and uh, it it may be it, it may shock the sensibilities of longtime effectively wild listeners who are used to us starting our segments with uh, the sound <laughs> or something. Um, anyway, that's that's the first BP author, and now we will hand it over to Pete and Wallace Matthews. It may still be winter, but Baseball Prospectus is ready to play ball. Pete Barrett is taking you around the league with 30 insiders who cover Major League Baseball. Step into the box. The squeeze is on. 
You're listening to The Squeeze, a new segment on the Effectively Wild podcast, which can be heard daily, Monday through Friday, on BaseballProspectus.com. Joining me today on the telephone is Wallace Matthews, who covers the Yankees for ESPNNewYork.com. Wallace, the Yankees won more games than any other team in the American League last year. Are people making a mistake by jumping on the Blue Jays' bandwagon as a favorite to win the East this year? Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously the Blue Jays have improved on paper a lot more than the Yankees have. You know, I, I think that part of the problem is not so much that uh, a lot of people are jumping on the Blue Jays' bandwagon or they're jumping off the Yankees' bandwagon, and I think there's a lot of evidence for why they should. I mean, yeah, they did win 95 games in the regular season last year. Playoffs, they certainly didn't look like a better team than the Orioles. They were lucky to get through that first round, and then uh, they were absolutely helpless against Detroit. I don't know if it was a uh, case of an aging team just running out of steam at the end of the year. Uh, they stumbled for much of the year. They had one very, very good month uh, in June, and uh, the rest of the season, they were pretty much a 500 or slightly above team. So uh, I think some people get um, get misled by the, the, the final record, and I know that Brian Cashman and Randy Levine and all the uh, the Yankee people have used that as a reason to try to say that they actually had a good season last year. But, you know, they always like to say in the Bronx that we judge things by the way the season ends. So if that's the case, you can't tell me we had a good season but we won 95 games because the season did not end well. So I think if there's any reason why people are jumping on the Blue Jays bandwagon, you still have people who think the Orioles are going to do better even uh, than they did last year uh, in 2013. You got fans of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays out there because the Yankees appear to a lot of people to be in some kind of a decline. Yeah, the Yankees, as you said, did not finish the season well. And while we're doing a countdown here with the squeeze, uh, over at ESPNNewYork.com, you and your colleagues Mark Simon and Andrew Marchand are dealing with a specific list issue facing the Yankees this season, um, counting down till pitchers and catchers report. And today your colleague Andrew Marchand uh, talked about the lack of power. A lot of guys leaving the Yankees lineup. Nick Swisher, 24 home runs. Russell Martin, 21 home runs. Raul Abanez, 19. Chavez, 16. Jones, 14. Uh, they've taken 94 home runs away from this team, which it used to be a strength for the Yankees. W- what are they going to do this year? Well, you know, it's, it's a funny thing because if you recall last year, a lot of us, myself included, felt that the Yankees relied too much on a home run. But, you know, that's because they were not getting runs on base and they weren't getting timely hits. Now, this year, they've given up, as you just pointed out, almost 100 home runs, haven't replaced them. Now, today, Brian Cashman, by the way, has acknowledged what I've been writing, what a lot of people have been writing for a while, that it's possible that Alex Rodriguez won't play, so you could throw those 18 home runs into the hopper as well. Uh, I think you're going to have to see a different kind of a Yankee offense this year. I think you're going to need Brett Gardner to get on base quite a bit. You're going to need Ichiro Suzuki to get on base quite a bit. You're going to need to see timely hits. You can't have, and I, you know, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but they were just, they were horrifying. The stats of uh, Yankee hitters with runners in scoring position and with runners in, with bases loaded, which was really a shot because when the bases are loaded, the pressure is all on the pitcher. It's not on the hitter. The guy's got to throw you a strike. You know what's coming. You're in the driver's seat, and the Yankees couldn't do anything. And I'm talking top to bottom, including Robinson Snows, you know, the best hitter on the team, couldn't do anything with the bases loaded uh, last year. And if they're going to give up that kind of power numbers, they're going to have to hit in the clutch next year. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the guys that uh, left town, uh, Nick Swisher, you hear a lot about the presence that he had in the clubhouse. And once he came over to the Yankees, obviously um, uh, maybe that fixed a little bit of the culture, loosened up the Yankees clubhouse. Now this guy leaves. Does that affect the team, or, or, or do we read too much into 
uh, clubhouse chemistry. Uh, I think you read too much into it. I think a lot of the fans uh, misjudged that. And, uh, you know, honestly, sometimes you don't get a full picture from the people who cover the team. But, yeah, Swisher was a different kind of a presence in the Yankee clubhouse. But truth is, he wasn't the most popular presence in the Yankee clubhouse. There were guys that liked him. There were other guys that thought he was too damn noisy. Seriously. I mean, you know, the Yankees are a pretty buttoned-up organization. They really are. And they take their uh, their lead from Derek Jeter, who doesn't go for a lot of loud talk and a lot of mu- a lot of loud music in the clubhouse. Uh, I don't think that professional athletes need a cheerleader in the clubhouse to get them fired. I mean, I'm not I'm not selling Swisher Short as a player. I think they're going to miss his bet. There's no doubt about it. But I do not think that not having him in the clubhouse and not you know hearing uh, you know the word bro every other you know, <laughs> fifty times a sentence. I don't think that's going to make a bit of difference in the way they play, but I do think they will miss him on the field, especially at the plate. We're talking with Wallace Matthews on the squeeze here on BaseballProspectus.com. You can follow Wallace on Twitter at ESPNNY Yankees. Let's move from the guys who left to an addition. Um, Euclid's coming in. Obviously, he had a little feud with Jabba, who apparently hasn't gotten a, a call back. Do you see that being any kind of issue? No, I really don't. I mean, first of all, I thought it was kind of funny that a lot of my colleagues thought that, that Jabba had to be the guy who was asking, it's okay that Euclid's is coming aboard. I mean, Euclid's is the guy that was getting thrown at. You know, I think he's the one. If anybody's got a beef here, I would think it's him. Uh, I don't think it would. I mean, you know, I was in the clubhouse the day that Roger Clemens joined the team in spring training. I think it was back in 1999. And I saw Jeter and Posada both walk over to him and take him into a corner. And no, they did not work him over, but they talked to him quite intensely for, for a while. And then afterward, they told us, honestly, you know, hey, neither one of us liked the guy, and we talked to him, and now we're teammates, and everything's going to be okay. And I think that's the way it goes. It's like any other workplace. You know, you have people there that you may not be best friends with. There may be people that you are best friends with, but uh, in order to get your job done and the and uh, attain the objectives of whatever it is you're doing, you work with people. And I think that uh, if there's a problem between Java and Euclid, and I, honestly, I don't think there is. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know what Java's motivation was. Maybe the ball did get away from him three times. But I don't think he's a mean-spirited guy. I think he's going to get along fine with Euclid. And as I said, even if they don't, you know, believe me, not everybody in the Yankee clubhouse or any other clubhouse gets along. Right. And that seems just kind of like a story fit for the back page. And while we've had a lot of back page um, covers that generated controversy with the Jets, uh, there was a, a an embarrassing almost photo of Derek Jeter that uh, conveyed him overweight. He looks like he actually is in shape. Other photos looked like just a bad picture. His shirt was sticking out. Uh, <laughs> well, Derek- I, I thought he did look overweight in the picture, but, I mean, it was at a time of the, the off-season team when – First of all, he wouldn't be doing very much anyway. And second of all, he had just been, you know, sitting on his butt for a month. You know, yeah. couldn't put any weight on his ankle. So, I mean, it was only natural for him to put a couple of pounds on. But just knowing Jeter the way I do, and I know he's made a joke out of it, I'm sure he was a little embarrassed by the picture. And I have the feeling he's going to come in, you know, as ripped as Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, next month. Right. So what do you think his spring training regimen is going to be like? How much um, is he going to be able to do during the season, uh, leading up to the season? Is it going to be affected at all? Because of his ankle? Well, yeah, they, they've said it's going to be a different kind of a spring training. I mean, he still hasn't run on the ankle. You know, they're, uh, even today, Cashman, uh, you know, as recently as today, said there's no doubt that he'll be ready for opening day. But I think there is going to be a difference in his spring training. I do not think he'll run as much. He may not play in as many games right away. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what kind of a rehab regimen he's on. They haven't told us. In fact, as far as I know, he's still in Switzerland or on the way back. You know, he flew off to Davos about three days ago to uh, attend the World Economic Forum with his uh, his sponsors, uh, 
uh, Pepsi Cola and Gatorade. So, you know, he, he left his, uh, his rehab behind with the, with the blessing of the Yankees. But uh, there is a, a specific program that he's undergoing. He's been running in a, a treadmill in the water to take some of the stress off the ankle. I think you're going to see a lot more of that and less baseball activity, at least for the first month of spring training. Now, whether that sets him back in terms of starting, uh, I mean, starting out quickly, if you recall last year, he came out of the gates on fire and, and pretty much kept it up the whole season. This could be a little bit of a problem for him because he may not have as quick a start this year to the season. Interesting. Now, if we look at the projected starting rotation, CC Sabathia, Hiroki Kuroda, Andy Pettit, uh, Phil Hughes, and Ivan Nova, uh, some y- young guys towards the end, little older up top still looks to be a, a strength where do you think their rotation ranks among those in the in the american league i think it's good i think it's a solid rotation and you know first of all nova's not guaranteed for that fifth spot i guarantee that uh he will be put into an open competition with phelps uh maybe with adam warren maybe they'll have a non-roster invite added to the roster between now and then but you know i, I think that ivan nova is now in a position that Hughes was in a year ago he needed to prove himself to get back into the rotation and i'm not saying he won't be the number five starter but i guarantee it's not it's not you know on a silver platter for him i think the rotation is good i think there are question marks in terms of um Pettit's fitness only because you know he was not able to get through the whole season obviously it wasn't his fault you know, he didn't have to get hit by a comebacker and break his leg but um you know you just have to wonder about a guy that old if he can um if he can keep up the um, the, the rigors of, a, of a once every five days rotation, I think that's that's a big question mark. There are some people who still aren't convinced by Phil Hughes, even though he had a, a, a very good bounce back season last year, 16 wins. I think Corotta's established himself quite well, but uh, you know, even um, Cashman mentioned it last night at the Joe Torre dinner that uh, you know we've had even questions with CC. He had uh, a little bit of elbow surgery. You know, it's not a big deal, but you know, they did go in there with a knife and. Uh, you know, there's some questions we have that we have to answer about him. So I think at its best, the rotation is good. I think Corona was, was a pretty formidable presence last year, and obviously, if CC can pitch uh, the way he did, say two years ago, they have a you know a, a top-notch rotation. But there are questions, and you know, most of them revolve around Pettit, but they, a couple of them do also revolve around the ace. Is there going to be a battle for who they're throwing to, Chris Stewart or Francisco Cervelli? Oh yeah, I would. I would even think Romine is in the mix. Although, I would, uh, if I were handicapping this race, I would, I would make him the number three pick because he still hasn't had a, a full season of AAA under his belt. I mean, he had a lingering back problem, disc problem last year in his back, which obviously can flare up for a catcher at any time. I don't think it's, it's a good issue, uh, especially for a catcher to have. But uh, yeah, I think that um, they also have a couple of non-roster guys that they brought in uh, who, who may also be in the mix for that. But I think right now, if I were to guess, I would say it's going to be between Stewart and Savelli, and I would have to think the edge goes to Stewart just because he caught a lot of games last year. I mean, this guy, you know, was was more than just a backup. He, he caught quite a few games and actually did pretty well when he was in there. Hit better than Russell Martin for average anyway. Yeah. Now, who do you think is going to be – obviously, the Yankees were interested earlier in the offseason perhaps in Scott Hairston, a righty-handed outfielder. Is there going to be a guy in camp who, who's going to fill that spot? Well, they all, again, they have a couple of non-roster invites. They have Russ Cantwell in camp. They have Matt Diaz in camp. Uh, they might try Nunez in the outfield, although I'm told that, you know, they're back to saying this guy's a utility infielder. So, I mean, I think that, you know, barring some kind of a late uh, um, acquisition here, which, in, quite frankly, is not a lot left. I don't think they're going after Michael Bourne. You know, I, I just don't know where they go at this point.
I yeah. really don't. I mean, maybe somebody will become available. Maybe somebody will get cut by another team during training camp, and they'll pick him up. But uh, Cashman doesn't seem worried about it. He, again, he said last night, and he said it uh, for the past couple of weeks, I have between now and the trade deadline to solve that problem. So I don't think it's it's on his front burner. And I think that he's willing to allow the guys that I just named, guys like Hansley, guys like Diaz, uh, you know, Nunez, to maybe battle that out and, and fill that spot. Don't forget, you also need the DH. He was called his DH in the offseason. Now, the inability to get Hairston or the lack of not getting him, not deciding not to get him, was it about years? Or was it about, you think, Hairston wanting to play every day? A little of both. I think that Hairston wanted to play every day. I think he needed to be convinced that he would get enough at-bats here. Uh, and the other thing is the Yankees really, if you just look at what they've done this year, you know, it's kind of curious that the one guy they gave uh, a multi-year contract to is, is the oldest guy of them all, and that's uh, Ichiro Suzuki. Uh, but they really have stayed away from giving guys more than one year. But I think that what they're doing, conserving their resources for next year, they want to be under that $189 million threshold, and they also want to have enough to resign Cano. You know, it's not easy to do both. So uh, I think that's a big part of the reason why they haven't. That's why Russell Martin's not here. You know, I mean, if you if you wouldn't take a one-year deal, you pretty much were, were told, no, thank you. Interesting. Now, Curtis Granderson, big power season last year. 43 home runs, average dropped quite a bit, down to 232. Um, do you get any indication from talking to the hitting coach, Curtis Granderson himself, uh, at the end of last year over this offseason that he's going to be trying to do something else this year? I think they're going to have to. I mean, the reason why his numbers were so far down, aside from the home run numbers, that he slipped back against lefties. I mean, that was his, his big, uh, his Achilles heel when he came over from Detroit. The guy can't hit lefties, and he, for the first uh, half of his first season as a Yankee, he couldn't hit lefties, and then they worked with him, and uh, suddenly he was hitting lefties, and then last year he slipped back again, and he was just abysmal, uh, you know, against left-handed pitch, and so that certainly is something that he's going to have to uh, work on with Kevin Long. He also, even though the Yankees say they're not concerned with it, I think he's got to cut down on the strikeouts. I mean, he was close to 200 strikeouts last year, and, you know, the Yankee party line as well is better than hitting into a double play. Absolutely. I won't dispute that at all. But you also need a guy who gets the bat on the ball and puts the ball in play. I know it's very dangerous to make predictions this early before even pitchers and catchers report. There's even snow on the ground. I'm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I'm assuming there might be a little <laughs> accumulation in New York. Um, where do you think no. the Yankees are going are gonna to finish? Well, uh, let me just start by saying I absolutely hate making predictions on baseball season, but you don't know what's going to happen in terms of injury. I mean, if we were sitting here last year and you had told me the Yankees are going to lose Mariano Rivera, the Yankees are going to lose Michael Pineda, the Yankees uh, will lose Brett Gardner, you know, and then said, make your prediction, I certainly wouldn't have picked them to win the division. Yeah. So, you know, for me to sit here now in January not knowing what the fate is of any of these guys, it's, it's impossible and if I do make a, a picture that comes true, I guarantee, you know, I tell you on my word of honor, it's pure luck. I have no insight into this. <laughs> I think they're going to fight for the wild card. Awesome. That's just my gut feeling. But again, I don't know. I mean, if maybe three or four guys will get hurt and they'll win the division. Yeah, yeah. Predictions are futile, but we always enjoy hearing them. Um, while we're doing a countdown here uh, with the squeeze, remember over at ESPNNewYork.com, each day between now and pitchers and catchers report Wallace Matthews, Mark Simon, and Andrew Marchand are doing a countdown of their own, giving a list with a specific issue facing the Yankees this season. Wallace, thank you so much for taking some time and joining us today on The Squeeze. My pleasure, Pete. Good luck to you. Thank you.